What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Gen X Music Show. Before I get started, I'd like to tell you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wanzee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, if you will go to bfwdenver.com, you can book yourself a virtual wine tasting, or you can just get yourself a bottle of wine. Uh, as uh, everyone knows who listens to Gen X Music Show, I uh, really love my some uh, of the 2017 Cabernet. Um, I, I actually have not consumed any wine for a good long amount of time right now. Uh, but when I do, I'm definitely going to be going to Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, they got their, they make their own wines from grapes from Sonoma County, California, but they also have partnerships with Western Slope Wineries uh, from a couple from Palisade Restoration and Storm Cellars and one in the Elk Mountains. Uh, it's a really, truly a Colorado business. So once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Uh, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining us on the latest Gen X Music Show. I've got the entire crew here with us um, today. I want to start with a man who does not live in New Mexico, even though that's that far from me. Uh, a man who does several different shows with me on this year podcast network. My friend, Pat Guerin. Hello, Pat. Morty, I've never even been to New Mexico, <laughs> but Happy New Year to you. Oh, hello, hello, hello. That's oh, beautiful. Sir. You should go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to, go. Also, that other voice you heard was a, uh, was a man who likes himself a nice stogie. Uh, a man who I've, I have known the longest out of the group of these three guys here. Mm-hmm. And uh, just all around good guy. My friend Joe. Hello, Joe. Wow. That was, thank you. That was beautiful. Oh, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm here to please wow. you. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> also joining us uh, from Somewheresville, Colorado, um, a man who has, lo- looks like he's currently staying in a German uh, flop house, is <laughs> our friend, Matt Magnus. Hello, hello, Magnus. <laughs> German flop houses are always the best. Yes, anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, the, the, as you can see from clicking on this title, the subject of today's uh, music show is basically our what uh, favorite albums of uh, 2020. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's as everything, it's subjective. And these are our opinions. Before you all get angry at us, these are our opinions. This is what we like. Um, no, these but, are facts. These are, well... And- Mandatory. Mandatory. Yeah. We encourage everyone who listens to this to uh, go everyone out. Everyone has 30 and... days to listen to it before it finds. <laughs> before, b- before the device that you're listening to this on explodes. Uh, you, you, yeah. uh, anyway, we're going to start with, uh, oh my with Mr. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Guerin. Yeah. And, uh, before we actually uh, get to start to talk to Pat, I'll play a bit of a song that he recommended to us. And, uh, and then we will get to talking about that album right now. I guess we're leaving town again. We're moving out, moving in. Got a break. But they won't care They'll just find another face To fall behind 
take my place and run way up past second base and just stand there and dreams to go on a summer. All right, Pat, that uh, was uh, Jason Isbell. And uh, what made this album stand out to you for the for 20 Well, of, I mean, of course, I have to disclose first that I'm like, a uh, huge Jason Isbell fan, uh, been my number one guy, most listened to guy for at least the last five years. And in that time, he's put out, you know, a number of albums. And when I heard this album was coming out this year, I was super excited. Um, he's one of these guys that like, you know, he owns his own label, he puts his music out, and he starts letting you hear some uh, singles, He's, you know, two months before the album comes out. So that happened, I think, in early February. It was pretty exciting um, for me leading up to it. And then when I heard the album, it was the songs that I hadn't heard yet that I thought were the strongest and that made that a top listen for me this year. Yeah, if you don't know Jason Isbell, you should check him out. Um, I, I think that he's one of the, I mean, for me, he's the best songwriter in the U.S. these days. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, he's got a lot of like Springsteen stylings and his lyrical writing and the way he sings Springsteen spoke highly of, of his music. Um, and I've seen him a number of times live and each album I think has, has been, you know, excellent in its own ways. And I think that in, for this past year, um, this album was awesome. So check it out. Well, hey Pat. Yeah. I hard yeah give us a little background on Mr. Isbell. Where, where is he from? How long has he been around? What's his discography like? I mean, well, he's from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and uh, grew up in Greenville, Alabama. Uh, he uh, started working in Muscle Shoals in, um, when he was like a late teenager, and he started getting paid to like write songs and work in the studios that were there. Then he hooked up with the drive-by truckers, and he worked with them for a number of years, toured, wrote many of their biggest hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and also during this time, he was a raging alcoholic and um, eventually got kicked out of drive-by truckers. And uh, then he met his now wife and she told him along uh, uh, that he needed to clean his shit up basically. And uh, she enlisted uh, old friend Ryan Adams uh, to kind of do an intervention there. He went to rehab, uh, got sober, is sober to this day, writes about it sometimes in his songs. It comes up in like every sort of national news interview that he does. It's like a big part of his type of persona. Uh, but uh, he now he lives in Nashville. Uh, he's married to Amanda Shires, who is in his band and also to some of her own stuff. Um, and he uh, is highly regarded as one of the, the premier songwriters in the country. I mean, you can see like John Mayer said he's the best songwriter in America. I mentioned Bruce Springsteen was a fuse to him. Jason Isbell said when he met Bruce Springsteen, he said, hey, I like the song Traveling Alone and sang it back to him. Like... Uh, as a highlight oh, really? and then his discography like for me i start the first album i really started listening to was something more than free it was i just randomly came across some somebody recommended it to me and i listened to it so much and it's a fantastic album. it's probably still my favorite album you should check it out um what but then was that album called it's called something more than free um and then prior to that mm-hmm. he, he had done southeastern which was uh, you know his his breakthrough and it's, it's hard not to choose as your favorite joe i mean mm-hmm. it is a great album and i and i do love yeah. it um and then he ha- he's had uh mm-hmm. you know he released a, an album in 2017 the nashville sound and now this album reunions tours relentlessly mm-hmm. i've seen him i think about four times three of them i were at red rocks he sells the place <clears> out david crosby opened up for him last time he does a lot of work with like the other musicians you'll see him playing in the band that's on saturday night live or things like that he's very prolific you know, I, Anyhow. I, I saw Jason Isbell when I wasn't even aware of who he was. 
2006 at uh, the last uh, Black Crows uh, gig that year. Oh, uh, really? And they the, played a triple bill with, uh, I forget who the middle band was, but it was drive-by truckers were supporting them. And then there was another band who I just, I, I forget who it was. But drive-by truckers weren't exactly uh -huh. huge at that time. So, um, yeah, I, I saw him and I had no idea who, the, who he was. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. And uh, oh, wow. I had no idea who uh, Jason Isbell was and if he was in drive-by truckers until like the last five years. <laughs> I really didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I like Jason Isbell's solo work a hundred times more than Drive-By Truckers, but that is where he got to start. I think they were a little more like niche, like Southern sort of rock. I mean, the other thing I did like to, you know, Jason Isbell was pointed out, and I just like to point out that his music, his music is not country music. Like if you listen to the guitars um, on there, um, that is, a, that is rock and roll. And I mean, they, he gets put into this category of Americana because it's like Southern songwriter driven music, but his band rocks. And uh, so, you know, don't shy away from it because you think it's, it's country or twangy or anything like that. Um, certainly the content of the songs are not, and, and the sound is, you know, as rock and roll as I've seen live in the past five years. I will say the drive-by truckers do rock also. Fair. That's a great point. Pretty hard. Yeah. And, they act, yeah. and they've also mended their fences and they've played a couple of like special one-off shows together. Jason is well drive-by truckers in oh, the, over the years. So It's interesting. There's yeah, my favorite drive-by. Yeah. There's some, something about really talented uh, uh, people who have histories of alcohol abuse. Uh, it's, and I, th I think that's, you know, a lot of that too, I think is like life on the road. Uh, especially oh, if yeah, you are sure. relentlessly a touring band, uh, you are, there are uh, histories littered with people who tour all the time. It just and then all this substance abuse that happens with it. But he has such a, nothing else to do. Well, yeah, he, he has such a good reputation. You're too. in the bar. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll just say to that: when it comes to alcoholics and people that drink all the time, you know, there are ranges, and there are people that can be mm -hmm. rock and rollers and drink every night at the clubs after they play them, or or in the green rooms or whatever, and they're just fine, and they get up the next day and they travel to the next city and do another kick-ass show. But then there's people that become yeah. like wholly self-destructive. I think that oh, yeah. that was what. If you know, not to describe Jason Isbell's experience for him, but when he talks about it, that is kind of like what he talks about that you know, he didn't remember the things that he had done, and you know, this is reflected in some of the songs, whether they're about him or just his the general experience of being on the road and drinking. Well, one of his best songs writing. describes all, all of it perfectly. Song she sang in the shower off of mm -hmm. Southeastern is a perfect mm -hmm. example of, of where he was coming from with the alcohol abuse and trying to get clean. Well, and that alcohol abuse extended to a uh, uh, interesting time with his former friend Ryan Adams, which has been essayed recently. Uh, you know, Cole Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? Because I, I kind of in my head I put him in sort of a Ryan Adams esque category, well, singer sure. writer, maybe alt country mm -hmm. type. Mm -hmm. With Nico That's Case, a... I put in that category. Too. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely where, you, where I find it, it, you know, it's interesting. What I end up finding is over the years, I'm sure a lot of you guys and others have experienced this, is when you like find a, an artist or a band that's a little more obscure, like they're not necessarily hearing them on the radio or they're not on, you know, uh, the Tonight Show or whatever. Um, and then you'll notice like numerous other of your favorite artists and such, like have either re recorded songs with them or appeared on the same album or right. had a producer in common or things like that. Mm -hmm. And over the past handful of years, you know, I've noticed that a lot. And so, I mean, I've been a Ryan Adams fan for you know, over 20 years. And I had no idea that like him and Jason Isbell had, you know, uh, a friendship and their paths have crossed and 
key moments mm-hmm. of their lives and they both wrote sort of potentially diss tracks about each other <laughs> and yeah, uh, those yeah things, really. so what's the nature of their falling out what happened well i mean it, it all centers their recent falling out as far as i understand it centers on ryan adams and the you know being sort of um, exposed in the New York Times by having all these women, um, you know, make claims against him. Um, and Jason Isbell was sort of, you know, delivered the I, I believe women line and Ryan Adams was furious and, you know, disappeared from public view, you know, unrelated to Jason Isbell, but this appeared from yeah. public view for almost two years. Um, and then when he wrote, when he wrote his latest album and the song that everyone is signs to being about his relationship with Jason Isbell is it talks about how back in the day when Jason Isbell was like too drunk to show up to Ryan Adams and Mandy Moore's wedding you know he was making excuses for him and helping and and, you know held out his hand for him when he needed uh, help ultimately and that then when he needed help himself he was just sort of like you know pushed away and forgotten about which Um, song is that Pat? Birmingham oh is that? But in, in today's in today's clickbaity headlines, that would be uh, Ryan Adams eviscerates uh, Jason Ensbel, <laughs> even though it I doesn't feel like, really do that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they're both a little bit under, under the radar enough still. Maybe yeah. not as much Ryan Adams, mm-hmm. but where that doesn't become a clickbaity type thing on like you know those types of places, and it's more sort of things that are discussed in the musical community, and, and that's sort of where I picked up on it. And then when you listen to the song and, and you put it into the context of that album, I mean. Well, I, I, I we can think, do a deep dive uh, that on another day, but yeah, but yeah, because I, I, I Pat, Pat and I talked about that via text on the uh, uh, about Birmingham and uh, how kind of bite, biting that song is, particularly towards the end of it. Um, sure, and ultimately, I think it's just important to like always remember that like the, these artists that have you know complicated relationships and struggles with whatever alcoholism or you know what the public interprets them as or things that they do which are unforgivable to many or whatever those all can help to create part of the art and right. they are inseparable from it you know so it's like jason isbel is the artist he is and the like technician he is on the guitar and things like that because he was a drunk for so long that when he recommitted himself, he basically was into being a very polished professional, you know, top musician. And with Ryan Adams, you know, he's had issues with heroin addiction and such going back to the olden days, being a general, generally a prick to everyone. Um, (laughs) You know, that influences the type of music that he makes, but he also like bangs out, you know, back to back 25 track albums um yeah. every time he d- does a new release you know so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all part and parcel of that well uh that's a that's a good choice there pat um thanks morty i will i will do a deeper dive into that because you mentioned that on this podcast today so um yeah. all right uh mr mr havenstrait we're going to go on to yours if you are ready to talk about okay it. okay and here i expose so <laughs> here we go and uh Let's see, let's see what Joe has to offer. Joe, there's some some gorillas for you right there. 
Um, yeah. What uh, What made you uh, pick uh, Gorillas? Oh, it was by far the best album this year, <laughs> especially, the, and I like the way it was. It was <laughs> released <laughs> to um, very modern sense because actually it started coming out in January. You had the first single in January, and then they just every month put out a new song until finally, like I think it was October, they just put all of it out at once. You know, all that was left of it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, it was a drawn out release in a crappy year, you know, you got a little nice little, uh, something new every month for most of it, you know, and uh, so diverse. It's like maybe their most diverse album because like just everybody's on it and like, everybody's different. I mean, like, um, one out, one song has Robert Smith. One song has Beck. One song has Elton John, uh, I'm trying to think of some other. Fa- oh, well, one song has um, one of my favorites on there is with Saint Vincent, uh, and some other people you know I've never even heard of. You know, uh, it's just very diverse and kind of all over the place. Actually, it's really about the only album that was on my radar all year. In fact, when this was proposed as an idea to do a best of the year, I had to actually go look and see what had come out this year because <laughs> I'm like I don't really look you know towards new releases. You know, it's not really where my where, usually like when I'm Listening to music, I'm just random. I'm all over the place, you know, but I'm generally not looking at new releases. So, like, I found out during that time that, uh, that Sufjan Stevens, for instance, Sufjan Stevens did two albums this year. I found that out. Uh, so I've been listening to those two. And, um, oh, and I found out Huey Lewis and the News, is, they're still alive. Did anyone know that? And they actually no, put out everyone. an album. They put out an album. Everyone knows year. that, Morty. <laughs> yeah. I was not a, and Joe, I wanted to tell you, you know, it was a long drawn out release for this Gorillaz album. Uh, yeah. but, you know, some artists are known to enjoy long drawn out releases like Sting, for instance. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Edit that out. Edit that out. What does that mean? I don't really even understand that. Tantric like, sex. He's a big we'll, fan of we'll it. We'll circle back oh! to it offline, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. If you okay. have to explain the joke. Yeah, okay. Uh, I thought you meant like, <laughs> yeah, wow. My sense of irony. The show has reached a new low. Yeah. So, big time. so, uh, yeah. so this particular, uh, now, by the way, Joe is wrong. This is not by far the best release of the year, but uh, this is a, this no, is, I'm right. <laughs> this is certainly <laughs> keeping in line with most gorillas releases um yeah my one of my I things about gorillas yeah. is that they they I, I haven't noticed a ton of diversity from them since uh when they released their first stuff in the early 2000s uh-huh. so uh you know what what okay what made you what made this stand out to you what specifically made it stand out to you just the overall album let me listen to yeah what made it stand out um that yeah how how good each song was yeah. and how different each song was than the one before it. And I think maybe the way it was released was really what made it stand out too. Hmm. You know, that you got, that you did, you got like a new song every month, you know, that was totally different than the one that had come out the month before, you know? And it's like, uh, cause the last album they put out, um, what was it? The now, now, I believe was the, the album that was, they didn't do, they didn't really uh, collaborate with anybody, which is very weird for gorillas. Usually it's like every gorillas album. There's like, 10, you know, 10 or more people contributing to it, you know? Um, so this was kind of a return to that form where every song has a different, you know, performer on it, you know, or a different guest guest musician, you know? Um, yeah, so that's what kind of, it, I think it was the way it was released is what kind of stood out to me and how, how good it was overall. 
Yeah. Hey Joe, uh, Smashing Pumpkins did a very similar thing with their new album. They they released, I think, half of the album. Oh really? Before it was released, it, they would do every two weeks a couple of songs. They started. Oh yeah. The album didn't come out till November, and by the time the album came out, half of them had been released already. So that's maybe that's, that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, different way to put, kind of to get uh, interest, you know, in, in, well, in the I music. Also, Joe, it's to like appease fans and such that are like looking forward to it, getting them excited about it, because then they're mm. going to like evangelize the album when it comes out, you know? Yeah. So I think that a lot of times when you release two, three, four, five tracks, like, you know, either through streaming or YouTube or whatever, it's your, mm. you know, diehard fans that are finding those. And then when the album is released, a lot of people are just listening to those songs for the first time. Yeah. That's yeah. how I was with the Smashing Pumpkins. I wasn't paying super close attention to them all year. And then their album came out and then I heard all those songs. And then, then you heard them all. You know, as you yeah. said, Magnus, that, you know, they, some of them had been out for months. You know, yeah, I tried, I tried, I, I, it's an interesting release strategy. I tried not to listen to the new songs as they came out because I wanted to hear it. All in one. Yeah. So that was really tough. It was actually, um, for me as a, as a big fan, it was a, like, uh, 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 I was tempting you. Well, oh, that yeah. makes more sense to do with Smashing Pumpkins, too, because it's an album and it's a cohesive in that way, you know, where it was like, this Gorillaz, it was perfect because every song was so completely different than the one before. And since everyone had a different, uh, um, you know, singer or, or musical centerpiece, yeah. you know, it didn't really feel like you were you were messing up anything at, well, at the end. Well, Joe, if the, if the songs are so different from one another, how do they hold together as an album? Do they that's true it doesn't really yeah it's true compared to like a lot of other albums but you know that's and maybe that's another thing too is i'm so not an album overall listener anymore that it's mm-hmm. like my definitions of what an album is has completely changed you know because like i don't even remember the last oh actually the other day i listened to ziggy stardust and spiders from mars that album you know but that was the first time i had listened to just an album in months at least you know i'm always just it's always playlists you know it's always that's that's what an album is to me it's like just a great collection of songs so so yeah. it was like that article pat um that uh, pat sent us earlier today about the the, the gentleman talking about al- albums are no longer needed uh because you just skip around to be quite honest with you i'm glad that i listened to some albums that came out this year i don't want to step on any that i'm going to mention um when i get to my turn. yeah but I, 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 yeah, yeah. I saw the release date and I avoided the album. And I think to me, just my opinion, my, uh, my opinion was mm-hmm. enhanced by doing that because I got context. Hmm. And I think like with your time, That's when you're cool. talking about the, the gorillas here, you miss the context of the whole thing. Otherwise it's just people just releasing random songs, you know, and if um, usually yeah, like, yeah. that's so 20th century. I know, I know. I mean, people are even <laughs> doing that with movies now. People don't watch whole movies. They just watch their favorite scenes on YouTube. You know, it's like, it's all I know, context it like it, yeah. is disappearing um, from life. I feel like not just music. Yeah, fuck um, nuance. Yeah. I would say, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking Pat, that article you sent us earlier um, was very interesting. And I was thinking to myself, the gist of it was, you know, if we had had today's technology, we would have been editing out weak songs from albums we loved a long time ago. And I was thinking <laughs> of Octung Baby, an album we all love. Um, mm-hmm. Had I had the ability, I might have edited out Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses or oh, I love that song. Uh, yeah, just because they were 
were so new and they didn't be right away. I love them yeah. right away the way I love them now because I had to absorb them as part right. of a larger whole. Right, right, right. And, yeah. and so I think that that notion of being captive to a larger piece of art, um, gosh, there's so many songs that I love because I was captive to a larger piece of art that I probably would have edited yeah. out, in, you know, had I just had the instant ability to do that. Well, it's also how yeah. some of those songs survive is, you know, there's an album that's 30 years old and there's a song right after the song most people love the most and they rediscover it. And then it's still like mains part, remains part of like, at least, you know, to fans of that band, you know, part of the things that they listen to. But yeah, the, I mean, in that article, this is referring to is in the New York Times today. And it's essentially the, the idea that the context is what kept some songs like around they were in an album that you were captive to um you know as mm -hmm. you were saying and uh that had they come out now we might not have the same affection for some of the well look at look at it this way if t songs. you couldn't have done that for with tommy i mean imagine them yeah. just piecemeal releasing like fiddle about on there or something like that <laughs> yeah there, like, there's, no way. <laughs> there's no way there's no there's way there's a lot of songs appreciated. On, yeah. or there's a lot of albums that don't necessarily tell a congruent story or, or like uh oh, yeah you know that our songs aren't directly complementary but a lot mm -hmm. of times they're just representative of the sound and the the music that that band was putting out at that time mm -hmm. and it's represented in each song in, in sort of different ways yeah joe i wanted to you ask know, you I, I, on 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 gorillas mm -hmm. what appeals what what exactly is um your appeal to gorillas because for those who are missing context here, um, the the guy from Blur is oh yeah, is, is David the, yeah is the is he basically the is Gorillas yeah, yeah is it's gorillas. him and it's him and a uh, I can't remember the Jamie Hewlett I believe is the com the, yeah. the comic strip uh, the artist yeah. who did Tank Girl created Tank Girl back in the eighties. Um, it's a conceptual band yeah. more than anything. And could you um, imagine that coming from a, a Brit pop band like like Blur? I mean, it it is. It it's is, so much it, better than Blur too. Yeah. Like, I mean, Blur had a lot of great songs. Don't get me wrong, but um, I just think it's it's much more interesting. And the whole point of it is to is to collaborate. It's always from the very beginning was a very collaborative band, and they always brought in different people for different songs. You know, whatever would make a song better. And just every genre of music has you know they've represented. You know, they've had a lot of hip hop. They've had a lot of techno. They've had a lot of you know just regular pop i think especially by this album they basically world music they've gotten into uh there's a couple people on this particular album that are like i think one lady's from bali or something she sings in her native language uh, uh another woman is from south africa um yeah it's just like and they're just making just the most creative music i mean seriously it's just it's it's just great yeah well, it's you know I I will check I had I'll be honest with you Joe I hadn't heard any of it but I will check it out. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because you mentioned it here because I haven't actually heard any really absorbed any gorillas for uh, several. Oh years. yeah, so. check out um, uh, Desolée. Okay. Um, to obviously Valley of the Pagans with Beck is one of the most up tempo cool songs on there. Mm -hmm. um, very unique song. Uh, what is it called? Uh, with love to an X is the one from the lady with from South Africa. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, they did a song with Peter Hook on the album, you know, from New Order. Oh, okay. Very yeah. New Order sounding song really? called Aries. Yeah, Aries. Um, yeah, it's just kind of all, it's runs the gamut. Well, like that, I said, the thing I like- Because that? New Order isn't using Peter Hook anymore. So no, they're funny. not. <laughs> did, they, did they have a falling out? 
<laughs> oh yeah, like ten years ago. There's so oh, many. Oh yeah, I didn't really even know New Order still put music out. I mean, I don't remember the last thing I heard from New Order. So they have a new single out this month. Or yeah. Oh really? Month. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! It's it's it is it is what it is. But it's interesting. I, 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 that's one of the reasons I like doing this show is because I like I, I will I will take the recommendations of my friends here, and I will yeah. them. So that's why I always wanted to do it. And, sure. and no one has more range than Joe, by the way. So this is true. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of schizophrenic. Just to, yeah, yeah, to say the least. This is this to... this is true. This is true. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I would say I would say that Joe has the most breadth of his tastes. Uh, yeah. As to every genre of music, basically. And depth, because he knows his stuff that he likes inside and out. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. So, uh, everyone, listen to Joe, except when he's convinced he's right. Okay. Because um... I usually am. No, I don't know. Nah. No, no, more, uh, no more arrogance. I'm sorry. I'll be, no, that's fine. I'll be humble. No, that, 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 we can't <laughs> remove that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be you anymore, Joe. Come That's on. true. I don't want to be humble. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're up to uh, old uh, Morty's turn here. So let me let me load that up. And this, uh, Magnus, you you said you wanted to go last, Magnus. Yeah. Okay, I'm making sure. That was one of that was in his contract writer before. That wasn't his contract. I yeah. <laughs> Along with the green MOs. Yes. Yeah, so, oh yeah. All right. So we will. I will share this one and uh, talk about it on the flip side. guys couldn't didn't already know that is uh smashing pumpkins their new album sear uh came out and uh obviously you're like okay jeff uh you talked about this before and uh with magnus and <laughs> i i get it i get it and but the, here's the thing when anyone who listened to the review that magnus and i did um a month ago, I think, um, I was still taking time to absorb the album, and now that a month later, I'm just I'm I'm firmly, firmly just in the in the camp that this is the best album I heard this of 2020, um, and and it is very a, cool, and it is a controversial pick because there's like so much hate for this album out there. It what? Is, it is oh yeah, stunning to me. Uh, particularly like that song that I just played called Witch. Uh, Magnus and I talked about this uh, on the, the pod, podcast review we did. Uh, he says Samhain, which is not the way you pronounce it. It's Samhain. <laughs> and Billy Corgan has the Wiccan community up in arms. <laughs> oh my God. A pagan <laughs> holiday. Um, which is hilarious. But it's. Yeah. To me, the, the, I mean, I'm not going to belabor it. Uh, we, everyone has heard, uh, our, and I encourage you to go back to, back and listen to Magnus and I talk about uh, Seer uh, because we really went in depth on the album and we talked about the history of Smashing Pumpkins uh, up to Seer. 
So I highly suggest you go back and, and listen to that. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, podcasts I've done. And to me, I've absorbed it more. I understand what they're doing and I get it. It's very uniform. It's very samey, but it's cool. And I appreciate the cool part of it. It is. Marty, I think you put your finger on it when you said when we did that discussion, we were still absorbing it. Mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely an album that requires absorption and time. It's mm -hmm. one of those, you know. Mm -hmm. It's cool uh, right off the bat, though. I've only heard a little of it, and I think it was the very first track on the album. I'm like, ooh, you know, like right off the bat, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, buckle, it's buckle up for another seventy long. minutes after that, Joe. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, yeah, but I would say definitely, um, it's it's challenging for people today because it does require context. It does require multiple listens. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. you say and it requires context, but they released like 10 singles in a row by themselves for <laughs> yeah. like the balance of a year. And I don't know. And I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that strategy for this album. Um, yeah. It's a poor strategy for the album. It, it really, didn't they have some sort of like music video or like animation type thing that they released along with it? Yeah. You know, yeah. As they were releasing those things out. So it's like this merging of this sort of like episodic release of things like podcasts or you know television shows or things like that with the traditional style of album releases yeah that's a good point that he did release they did five animated shorts that went along with five of the singles and those animators told a single story about the main character of this album so you know it's ambitious it's very sort of 70s and it's scope and ambition and uh, it doesn't surprise me that it's getting a lot of hate to be honest um I, I'm definitely appreciating it more the more I listen to it. But well, in a you it, it, you have to be other than the Wiccan community, apparently. <laughs> yes, the rock and roll community. Yes, because it's very like electro. And... Yes, it's very uh, '80s oh. new wave ish. Um, exactly. But I, I, I will get a life, man. I, I will. I will say this: the the I'm glad that I invested time, and this is. We're, we keep coming back to that article that Pat sent out this morning, and it was so present. <laughs> I didn't realize that we would be having to reference it as much as we are. But the I had to be patient, and I don't know if people have the patience for albums anymore, which sucks. But you have to be patient enough yeah. to listen to it all the way through. <laughs> I listen to it while I'm I'm doing other things, right? And I found myself getting uh -huh. distracted and listening to the album. And from where there, I found layers that I wouldn't have found if I just listened to aspects, just different aspects of the album. I got the whole concept concept of it, and I think I was a lot better for it. Uh, uh, purple, uh, purple blood. Um, blood uh, is great. Is uh, with the um, there are just so many songs on there that I just like. This is this is good. And it sits actually very well within the, the concept of whatever Smashing Pumpkins has been since 1992. I, th and, <laughs> I think a lot of the mm -hmm. hate was, was on purpose because they have three great guitarists in that band. You have Billy, you have James Ahai, you have the new guy, Schroeder, Jeff Schroeder. Three shredding guitarists. So what does Billy do? He makes an album with no guitars almost. Right. And I think, you know, it's, it's a very Lou Reed, David Bowie, Andrew Eldridge attitude of you think we're going to go left, we're going to do this instead. Um, so I, under, I actually understand some of the disappointment. Um, I struggled with those expectations, too. But then, you know, those expectations were my expectations. You know, Billy Corgan's like, your expectations have nothing to do with what we're interested in right now. 
Fair yeah, play. Yeah. Well, and, and, and quite frankly, Billy Corgan deserves a ton of the dislike that he gets. He is insufferable. But... <laughs> That's what my brother-in-law said. I said, "Oh, this is the new Smashing Pumpkins," and he's like, oh, "I hate Billy Corgan." I'm like, oh, this, is new, this, "This is news to me. I, I never know that knew that he was such a dis- dislike." No, okay, you know what individual. it is. You know what it is, Joe. It's similar mm-hmm. to like anyone yeah. who doesn't doesn't like you two is ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's because they don't like Bono, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I understand that. That's true. You could. Say the I same guess about I just haven't really heard that much. Robert Plant too. You know, there are some people who. Yeah. Would like Zeppelin, if not for Robert Plant's boys. That's <laughs> so many times. You know. Yeah. Mm. Really? So, huh. So anyway, we uh, I, I covered this, uh, like I said, I covered this with uh, Magnus uh, last month. I encourage you to go check that out. Uh, I won't belabor it because we want to get on to uh, old Magnus's choice here. And um, he is, uh, he he actually is bringing up an uh, an artist that we also covered uh, on our uh, on one of our previous podcasts. So yeah. here we go with Magnus's choice. Realized by ACDC off their album Power Up. Uh, what made you choose Power Up as your album of 2020? Well, you guys all have great choices, by the way, but uh, unfortunately, you're all wrong. ACDC won. <laughs> ACDC won 2020. And I, let me tell you why. Let me make my case. Um, consistency is so hard. And the longer you're around, the harder it is. I think that that they made an album this good from start to finish this late in their career is a fucking miracle. Yeah. And I love miracles, especially. <laughs> I'm a big fan of miracles. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, it's everything that the Smashing Pumpkins album wasn't. Yeah. It's short. It's short. <laughs> it's, it immediately grabs you. Every single track is great. It rocks from start to finish. Um, it's it was so satisfying, um, in a way that I just don't get satisfied anymore. And and I was just sometimes I I listen to this album I literally weep because it just sounds like a sound that's dying from the world. Hmm. You know, uh, these guys. You know, Malcolm is dead. Mm-hmm. They went through hundreds of hours of old demos that they had done. They picked 10 or 12 gems that they thought, you know, we can work on these. Spent a couple of years working on it. And, you know, all the deaths from the band and the legal troubles. And it, there's just, it has no right to be this good, you know. Now, if they had released this album, this exact album in the Bon Scott years when they were at the height, it might have been a middling effort. But for guys mm-hmm. in their 70s. Oh, yeah. Half of whom are either gone or crippled. I mean, it, <laughs> It's it's just I feel like it's the last roar of a dying animal, 
and it's oh, glory. It's wow. bleak, glory. but probably true. Yeah. And and oh, and not to take away from the songwriting. The songwriting is excellent. You know, I and I got to be honest. When I heard that ACDC was dropping a new album, I was like, eh, I know what it's going to sound like. Right. <laughs> I wasn't. That, I wasn't that interested. I was much more anticipating the new Bob Dylan album, the new Smashing Pumpkins album, etc. But then when I heard the album, I was like, oh yeah, rock and roll was a thing. <laughs> you know, I, it, it just it, it just is so satisfying, and every track is great. I mean, I would put this on the second tier of their top albums of all time. So, well, you know, it uh, certainly is different, right? It is, it is different from what you hear now. Guitar-driven rock is basically, you know, a, almost, if not extinct, almost extinct. And it is interesting to hear a band that, un, that is unapologetically the way they are. And you, as you, you're mm -hmm. right, consistency is not a problem with ACDC at all. So Yeah, but it's... But consistency in itself is, I don't think we appreciate how hard it is to be yeah. consistently mm. good, you know? And I, and I would say it's not just the music. It's not just the, the guitar and the drums and that combo that's sort of a lost art or a dying art. It just, the attitude of the lyrics, uh -huh. it just reeks of a humanity that is fading, you know, an unapologetic masculinity. Uh -huh. right? Oh yeah, it's definitely a an unapologetic assertiveness, you know, it's just, it's just a bright color in a gray, gray year. I love it. Yeah, that's well, true. I can see that. Yeah. And, and, and Joe, uh, as I recall, you weren't a huge fan of what you heard, right? When you, when you heard it? Not particularly, but I like all the points Magnus makes. They're definitely, and I can understand why he, yeah, overall, I mean, but it's, I mean, it's ACDC, you know? So, I mean, like, it's always good, <laughs> you know. Right. You never. Yeah. It's and it's always good for what it, for what it is, you know. Just like you said. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, know, yeah. I think Joe, that you make a great point. It's always good. Mm. This is better. This is better than good, which is what makes it a miracle. I kind of feel like people mm. take ACDC for granted in the same way they take the Ramones for granted. You know, the Ramones yeah. were around for a long time. They toured for 25, 30 years every yeah. year. You could see them any year. They were always good. <laughs> And so we just took it for granted. Oh, the Ramones, they're just always around and they're always good until we didn't have the Ramones anymore. Yeah. So, well, I, I don't know if I agree with the Ramones, though. The Ramones basically had that first album and then they just repeated those songs for another 20 years. Which is kind of like ACDC. But I mean, you know, it's like, and it always sounded like the Ramones, just like ACDC always sounds like ACDC. But yeah, you're completely right that guys in their 70s shouldn't be able to make an album like this you know no. it's just it should it shouldn't even be a thing so i definitely agree with that and especially in a year like we had it's kind of actually similar to my pick in the sense that it was like well you know you get this into such a gray year you get these little little bits of of joy you know yeah. that yeah. you don't expect to come through and and they do and that's always nice yeah by the way not, not to take away from all the albums you guys talked about and there were others that i liked but <laughs> this was so surprising in its quality yeah. Well, it's interesting, I think, on the sort of overall note there, that we've all chosen albums that um, that are in the discography of bands that we liked already. So we were like searching for these albums. Um, with, you know, these were bands that we were big fans of and they delivered, which is always great. To your point, Magnus, about consistency, where, you know, a new album can oftentimes not live up to the album that you wore out listening to for the past three years, you know, waiting for new material. But when it does, you know, it's a sweet sound. And, and I think oh, that yeah. 
all of our choices kind of reflect that and the music that we generally are listening to and how we had additions to that this year that mm -hmm. um, stood up to our expectations. And, and for ACDC, this album, I mean, it's got, it's got their best reviews in 20 years. I mean, it's, oh, I'm sure. it was number one. It got great reviews. So it was like, it was universally loved. And I think the world sort of saw it as a breath of, of fresh air. Um, unlike Billy Corgan, who got lambasted for it, the, the surprise that he got. So it was just a total diametric opposite, really. But I'm really glad that they had this late career gem. And uh, boy, I sure, I sure could have used a great rock album and they gave it to me. God bless them. Well, the, the Smashing Pumpkins were, were yeah. our victims of the still of being surrounded by the 90s ethos, like you're, you're always a sellout. So <laughs> there is a, there's oh, a, yeah. they never had the luxury of being a band that uh, could do anything but be adventurous. <laughs> so I, I did, and, and then ACDC is different because they have been unapologetically themselves for 45 years. So yeah. it is, it is, yeah. it is. <laughs> I mean, look, whether you, whether you, it's your thing or not, it's a different story, but uh, they have always been ACDC and will always be ACDC. Yeah. And, and they are, and that as, is, yeah. They're as constant as the Northern Star. Wow. Wow. Way yes, to bring it home, Morty. <laughs> and that's just, but, and that's what, like, what Magnus is saying. We didn't expect them at this point in their lives to still be that yeah. Northern Star. So it's like that much more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. Uh, you know that's a, and and once again, I can encourage you all go to go back to the uh, the the Power Up um, podcast that uh, Magnus and I did uh, back uh, in November, and uh, it's uh, we kind of go more in depth there, and we talk about the his history of ATDC, kind of like we did with the Smashing Pumpkins one. Um, hey, I did. Yeah, it with Joe you. was there. Oh, you were there. Thanks, thanks, Morty. <laughs> maybe you maybe you need to go back and listen to it morty i do yes i i put these out and i never listen to them again so <laughs> that's the way of the podcast. that's right you were there you heard it yes <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh before we before we get out of here uh, what else have you guys been listening to anyone want to you know you know throw that out there right now oh yeah my big ones lately in the last couple of months have been uh um all things talking heads all thing david mm -hmm. Byrne, because i watched that american utopia concert video yeah. i was obsessed with that uh so kind of all things david Byrne and talking heads uh fits in the tantrums i've been obsessed with lately i don't know if you guys have heard them at all like a neo soul band that started in like 2011 oh. and they released like five albums um what was it oh camp i bet you would like that pat it's camp it's ca it's two a's c uh mp Singer songwriter. I think you should. Thank check you. Them out. I'll uh, put that on my uh, on my queue. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, sure. Nice. Um, um, yeah. What about you, uh, Pat? I've been listening to. Um, you know, I I listened to the Bob Dylan album, few so you know a handful of times through when it came out, and I enjoyed it, but I haven't found myself really circling back to it. Um, mm. I loved. Um, Lily Hyatt put out an album this year, um, which I uh, listened to a lot and very much enjoyed. Um, there's this guy, uh, William Prince, who has a very unique voice um, and had a really very interesting album. And I, I think back, I was listening to that in the early part of the year. Um, and 
then of course as i briefly alluded to you know ryan adams put out his latest album uh just a couple weeks ago and i have been uh listening to that a lot and i think it's a solid album it's not my favorite ryan adams album but uh great tracks mm -hmm. and um you know there's a, there's a couple of real strong ones on there i know we've talked to some of you guys about them uh individually but um you know worth a listen a listen through and uh you know pulling out those uh, tracks you like the, the most and throwing the rest of them away if, if that's how we're listening to albums now yeah 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 uh pat uh, you know the ryan adams album is really interesting i've been dipping into it and for me emotionally it feels like a breakup album you know it's in that headspace mm -hmm. and i find myself crazily wishing i was going through a breakup right now because it would be the best ever <laughs> if i was like <laughs> yeah well bookmark yeah, it not, so um, I, I, I appreciate yeah, where he it. is mentally but i i'm not there so i think it's preventing me from appreciating yeah. the album I'm, but i'm sure you know it'll grow but i do really like birmingham and some of the other tracks um for me it's been a great year for music in general i mean joe satriani had a great new album morrissey had a great new album the mm -hmm. new album, uh, birthday party massacre I'm sorry, The Birthday Massacre, which is a goth band from Toronto. They had a great new album called Diamonds. Um, but I, I want to talk about my most disappointing, and Pat, you mentioned it, the new Bob Dylan album, Rough Rowdy Ways. Mm. I was really looking forward to that because it had been so long since we had an album of original material. He's done a lot of cover albums in the last 10 years, three or four, I think. And so I was really looking forward mm. to it. Uh, I would say it was my number one most anticipated album. And like you, I listened to it a couple times and just haven't gone back to it. And and actually, only one song, Mother Amuses, really grabbed me that I, I put in regular rotation. So I would have to say that's my biggest musical disappointment of the year, even though it's been overall a great year for artists that I like. I, I, I thought there was a bad sign yeah, when nice. he released that 16-minute uh, opus. Uh, oh, my oh, God. Man. I listened about two minutes of that. And I'm like, this is fucking boring. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> remember yeah. guys it's just like the old colin quinn joke about jacob dylan coming in from the garage yeah. <laughs> and his dad saying uh, you know keep it down out there he's like but dad you don't understand my music and he's like i'm bob dylan yeah you know? yeah i understand your music. <laughs> yeah your music. <laughs> crap turn it off <laughs> yeah uh i i think that uh i was going to talk about the dylan album but i'm like it just it, it i like to keep things positive I like to think to keep things positive in this 2021. We just had a <laughs> shit year, you know, but to be honest with you, Magnus is 100% right that that Dylan album was tepid. And I have to say, Morty, people talk about how bad 2020 was, but I have to say the COVID virus got me out of a lot of things I didn't want to do, like vacations I didn't want to go on. <laughs> and uh, I got to stay home a lot more. I actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> Well, yeah, you've been preparing yeah. for it for your whole life. Yes, you so. have. I I invented social distancing. That's it's right. true. I actually, yeah, you should have been doing it. PSAs about its benefit. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Going going all the way going all the way back to the nineties. Uh, is Joe coming yeah. out tonight? Yeah. No, no, he's not coming out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my books. <laughs> looking ahead to twenty twenty one, the question is: Are the artists that we just talked about are they going to be able to go on the road? Are they going to be oh, able yeah. to get their music live? I would love to see Ryan Adams next year. I would love to see the Pumpkins next year. I would love to see ACDC. My yeah. last time to see ACDC. Oh, yeah, uh, probably. Isbell is a, hits the road hard. Is he going to be able to do that? That's, I'm sure that's mm -hmm. how he built his fan base. Yeah. Which is very rap, rabid because they love that live. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I've been waiting, you know, all day to like circle into that. I mean, what will touring and concerts look like into this next year? And will it be this, I mean, in a, in a sort of best case scenario, the euphoria to go see live shows will be overwhelming and the energy and all of them and for all of your favorite bands or all the bands you've been dying to see, you know, you'll make sure you get tickets. You'll make sure you don't blow it off at the last minute. Cause you're, you're, you know, not feeling the energy or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll go there and it'll blow your mind. And especially these bands that typically do tour every summer uh, or every year, you know, what do they have in the, you know, ready to unleash um, that they've been storing in the tank for this, you know, full year of no concerts and certainly no, you know, uh, big crowd live show concerts like well, we come I, to expect in rock and roll. Yeah, and it would be nice to, mm-hmm. I mean, because that's how they make their money now. So yeah. it'd be nice to see what they got in store because, you know, yeah. there's a lot of pent up energy um, out there that has is not yet to be explored. People and, have just been using it to riot. And, you know, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, it certainly. Oh, and, and my what I've been listening to is McCartney Three. Uh, it just came out like a week ago. Yeah. So, um, I tried to get into it. I just couldn't, man. You know what it is, Joe? And I, I figured yeah. you you're not a big fan Snobbery. of Snobbery. You're not the first. You're not a big fan of McCartney, though, are you? Wait, uh, wait the first one? Yeah. Oh God, I love that album. The you one do? that came out right after the Beatles, his self-made album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is this album. is that's self-made. one of my favorite solo albums. This is self-made yeah. too. Uh, it's kind of it like sound, I can tell that actually just from the, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, and McCartney too was like that. You know, it's just it, this is the, him and solo. But it's it was nice yeah. to have a it was nice to have that little thing coming in for me personally at the end of the year. <laughs> um, and I've been listening to that a lot. It's a it's a very slight album. There's nothing. There's no depth to it. But that's yeah. most, that's most well, that's like- albums. That was kind of like McCartney one, other than like maybe I'm amazed, you know, the, everyone knows or whatever. But most of those kind of goof around songs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's no Karina core. Um, so <laughs> yeah. learning. Oh wow. <laughs> um, so okay, well we have reached the end of this. I uh, hope everyone liked our wrap up of uh, 2020, our favorite uh, albums and what we've been listening to lately. Um, you can check out our previous podcasts on iHeartRadio. Amazon Music, uh, Apple iTunes, or excuse me, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, ev- basically everywhere you find a podcast, including Spotify. So go get go to CSG, get your Gen X Music Show fix in, and you'll be able to hear us. But we also have a bunch of other shows we do. Uh, Magnus and I have done a bunch of, of uh, movie shows. Uh, Patrick and I here do our uh, politics show, and pretty soon Joe and I will be doing an old man show. So, uh, yeah, it's like different. We're going to do like different things we found on our bodies. Yes. Like like different growths. Wow. I was hoping not to hear anything like that today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks y'all for joining us. See you later.